As is our routine, we're keen to glean what's on screen. Ted Levine is on scene to intervene a machine that cleans. Sherry's 16, Robert Eglin's obscene, but this isn't Christine. And between you and this small bean, you're listening to Kings of King. Yeah, boy! <laughs> Cox in the house! We're back, baby! Cox back, baby! Boom! We both just fell through the roof and just landed upright smoking cigars like Bender. Wah! Wah! Welcome to Kings of King. I love that. I, I thought when you said you. before that your mind idly came up with a rhyme, I didn't know you meant like a full verse of rap. That was really oh. long. <laughs> that oh. was good. Yeah. Uh, if you inferred from my rhymes mm-hmm. that are fire, this is Kings of King and this is the Mangler episode. We're back. It's season two. We took a hiatus and talked about some other movies. Right. But now we're back with the Stephen King. Your deep uh, dive dingoes mm-hmm. have done it again. <laughs> we're, we're switching gears. <laughs> um, for the record, if you're an, a Fander's Sons, I you you understand the portmanteau I'm going for, right? Um, mm-hmm. Anders' Sons will return uh, with the back half of the filmography of both those directors, whose names are Anderson. Uh, but yeah, it's been a long while, and we wanted to get back to horror, and we thought, you know, we've covered The Shining. We still have Mm -hmm. Shawshank in the barrel. What's like that, but not exactly that? The Mangler, baby! The Mangler, (laughs) baby! You gotcha! We thought we'd drop in with something that will, like, shock to the system, completely reset us. (laughs) This is very different than either a PT or Wes Anderson film, as we'll find out. Yes. In mainly that it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's largely considered bad. It's real bad. Um, We've had, Mm -hmm. what? It was 1995, so we've had... 37 years to fi- Ooh, no 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 27 years uh mm-hmm. to decide that this is a bad bad film and i believe that that wisdom will probably stand for all time but in case you're unaware of what the mangler's about how about we get into format huh yeah cool this is under the dome utd our best guess puts the dome at twenty thousand feet sir did he just call it a dome you think we might be stuck in here or- yeah elevator synopsis the movie yeah. Yeah, let's here's if you haven't watched it, that's what this is for. That's right. And sometimes we bust in and dispense all of our insights and jokes during this and sometimes we just kind of rush through it. Usually when the movie's on the worst side. So guess what we're doing this time? We're just going to kind of rush through it cuz it's pretty basic. It's a straightforward based on a short story of Kings uh that mm. seems like honestly he gave himself a fun writing challenge and just had at it <laughs> yeah. more than anything else like what if the monster couldn't move and was nothing can i do that can i accomplish that <laughs> and uh and they made a movie out of it cuz everything king touches gets made into a movie mm. so let's do it who starts who can- i can I, start i don't care you, okay go for it <laughs> basically there's a laundry service called the blue ribbon laundry mm-hmm. and it start the first scene is a worker accidentally cuts her hands on a laundry press and bleeds into it. We're going to find out later that she's a virgin uh, and some electricity sparks out of it. And it's like the machine is going to break, but then it's fine. And Robert Engl- England is, uh, you know, famously Freddy Krueger. Yeah. William Gartley hideous, like half robot. Uh, who's the owner of the business? Like he has uh way, way, way point corrective. of order. No, what? Robert England is the photographer dude. Right? No. No? No. Oh, who plays the photographer dude? Because his face is truly a nightmare. I thought that was Robert England. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, they're both a nightmare, to be honest. But no, yeah, it's some other guy. It's, uh, it's a lot of unfortunate it's, faces. You know, right, but it's the guy. Who, so 
first off, the name of the photographer in this movie is JJJ Pitcher Man. Three J's, you guys. Three. <laughs> but actually, it's interesting you bring it up. It's play. Uh, he's played by an actor named Jeremy Crutchley, okay. who is also the mortician in the movie. Who's like that creepy mortician at the oh, halfway point? Who implies that, uh, that he can fuck the body if he wants? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's and all yours, so, dude. So that kind of sets the scene. And oh, by the way, he's the owner of the business and he doesn't seem to care about the safety of the workers. Mm-hmm. The name of the town is Rikers Valley, which I thought you'd get a kick out Whee. of because you love yeah, we it's Riker. <laughs> and then we're inter- introduced to Ted Levine, who is uh like a detective, Officer Hunton. And uh, yeah, he's uh, basically catches the 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 accident. Uh, I guess it's not a murder yet, but it's you know there's his case. Uh, yeah, the, in his case, they're like, oh, something happened at the mill. It's a small kind of town, um, and he hates this town, and he wants to get out of here, and he's got like six years left of pension, and he's just a surly you know fucking pair. Um, but then back at the laundry, um, it's I think what. They're setting up is that the bloodlust has begun and the mangler, the laundry machine, uh, decides to eat an old lady who drops some antacids on the mangler. Yeah, Mrs. Frawley drops antacids in the mangler and immediately leans over and sticks her fingers in the mangler that just mangled someone. Like, that's why the Mm -hmm. factory was shut down. To fucking fish them out like a fucking moron. I'm sorry. I do not feel for Mrs. Frog. What an idiot. And I love uh, Robert Englund's response. It's hilarious. He's like, this goddamn bitch you dying in bitch. my factory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got robot legs. Um, Meanwhile, you cut, or something that I just think should be mentioned because it's going to spew a giant blue ghost tornado later, is that when the electricity arced, it also hit an icebox. The some stooges from the factory try to deliver the icebox and get in an altercation with Hunton, and he writes mm-hmm. them a ticket because a cab like he has nothing on them. They didn't even hit his car and he writes him a ticket. He just and he is, says for yeah. pissing me off. Um, so yep. he's like a bad drunk cop, um, but he drives out and finds out that. Well, now, in addition, Mrs. Frawley has also been completely crushed. Right. And he, I guess, interviews the witnesses, but he just kind of mills around and lets the women come up to him. And mm-hmm. uh, we see we get kind of creepy vibes from one of the girls, Lynn Sue. Uh, she's very much like the lady from the mist, at least just in this one scene. Then she drops this trait forever. But in this one scene, she has this weird wild eyed thing. And she's like, don't worry, Sherry, her worries are over now. Um, yeah. And she will turn out to be crazy later, but not in that exact way because the movie's sloppy. Right. Um, we meet J.J.J. Pictureman, who right. says, have yeah. I ever let you down before and starts taking pictures of crime scene? And he says, yes, <laughs> which I actually think is a good character introduction. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, um, yeah. The flashbulb makes him projectile vomit bright yellow bile to establish it's that great. he's a drunk. Also, he sees the uh, the old lady who has been folded up like a sheet, you know, folded like, like a sheet. And yeah. he takes her antacids, which is important later. He he real he like says something like she won't be needing them, and because his stomach hurts, he grabs mm-hmm. her antacids and he crunches some. Because um, I guess he's gunning for chief, right? That's that's when you start. I don't know what his deal is. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then these three weirdos show up. 
And it turns out one's the sheriff, one's a judge, and one's a machinery expert. And mm-hmm. they very quickly declare that it was an accident and that the machine is safe and that Mr. Gartley can start the factory up again. And they file the paperwork and it's an accidental death. And obviously we th- see through Ted Levine's acting that he's like, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Yeah. Um, he's very weirdly. I mean, I understand people died, but it's funny that it wasn't a murder because he doesn't believe in ghosts yet. So in his mind. No. It's just an OSHA issue. Like it's unsafe work practices, but he treats it like, like he says, it's dirty all the way to the bottom. I'm going to get you motherfucker. And it's like, he just wants them to shut the factory down. He thinks that it's bullshit that they run the mangler. I think it's because they're showing us. He's like, he doesn't, he just doesn't like people and they all rub him the wrong way. And he just wants to get back at him. It's kind of like vindictive a bit. Right. Then we hard cut and it's nighttime and we meet. The character who makes the fucking movie, a young Matt Barry as Mark. <laughs> no, but actually, not literally, but he did I remind think me. He of looks Matt like Barry a lot. I think he looks like a circus, uh, but golem. with like long feathers. Yeah, hair. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I think his delivery is Matt Barry. Like, I don't know. I watched it through yeah, that lens. It's and it pretty was amazing. Very rewarding. And he's but, into demons. <laughs> and there's no at first for a long time. Eventually, we find out he's Ted Levine's ex-wife's brother and they became friends but for the longest time they're just he's just a guy who's talking about demons and magic to ted levine and you're like who the fuck is this guy i I guess they're best friends Uh, he doesn't seem like it because he's always like do you want to come over and he's ted levine's like no i want to drink alone yeah exactly um all the shots in the sequence look like a rom-com like they stop on a romantic wooden bridge with lanterns Mm -hmm. slung all over it's beautiful it's just very odd but meanwhile he's talking about how gartley owns the bishop or Judge Bishop, Judge Bishop owns the sheriff. It's all dirty. I got to shut down yeah. the factory. And then the scene <clears throat> ends with uh, what I'm confident is, and uh, this was directed by Tobe Hooper, who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, te- yeah, yeah, yeah. Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, but I thought this is just an interesting directorial choice. It happens at least, I think, three times in the film, where a scene ends with a static wide of the mm. characters just walking out of frame. Nothing mm. wrong with that but they are clearly directed to never stop talking like improvised dialogue the whole time. We'll cut out when we cut out and yeah. they use way too much. <laughs> like they, it goes. So in this, I, it goes, um, Mark says, as they're walking out of frame slowly, what are you going to do? Take the sins of the world on your shoulders. Come on, man, live a little. Ted Levine goes, you want yogurt? I got yogurt. <laughs> Mark asks, is it whole wheat? I Googled whole wheat yogurt. That is not a thing. That is not, that does not exist. Wheat is not in yogurt. Um, and then he says, I don't know. You want granola? I got granola. And he goes, I don't know. Is it organic? And he goes, no. And the scene ends. <laughs> I just love that. And he's like, all right, I will go get the yogurt and the granola. It will be <laughs> the whole wheat. Do yogurt. you have $5 you can give me? Yes, yeah. I have $5 right here. Good doggy. <laughs> yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. See you later, Mark. Anyway. Back at the laundry, all the ladies want to go home, but it's implied that they're desperate for money, right? They all need the job or they wouldn't be Mm -hmm. here in the first place. And a big steam hose detaches and burns everyone with hot steam. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so good. The the mangler goes hard from jump. uh, I also, yeah. This movie, I also, Tobe Hooper, man, you just mentioned Mm -hmm. like some 
missed opportunities. It took me a while. It took me until the scene where they're at the hospital, which we're going to just talk about here to even realize what happened. Cause it was just, a, it was just, it blew some steam at people and people were like, ah, and and a woman ran away. Screamed, yeah. but like, you don't get, no, he doesn't show you that a woman is clearly very burned by it right. in the scene. Like he did a director should do that at the minimum. He's doing a terrible job. Okay. I just wanted to point it out that sometimes this <laughs> in movie's multiple just places. It's unclear whether it's is this guy a brother or a friend or what or romantic interest. I thought honestly, and yeah, I was like, that's honestly, pretty progressive. And I, I was like, like oh hey, no, he's just some guy. <laughs> Ninety five. No, nope. yeah. not 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 really. All right. Um, but it, no, it's the opposite of progressive. It's classic exploitation horror. So mm-hmm. after the scalding, uh, Gartley go- asks oh, Sue yes. up to his office to bone, which if you were like me and just casually paying attention, Gartley is amazing. And we'll talk about everything about him later. But what I thought was a bolo tie is revealed to be a crystal throat piercing or like esophageal implant of some kind <laughs> to let out air to let out phlegm and air. Cause even though he speaks normally and doesn't seem yeah. impaired in that way, uh, while she bathes and he watches her bathe and makes her call him uncle Billy, he mm. fumbles with it and goes like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, gross out horror. And it, what's it's in it effective. for me. Yeah. What's in it for me. <laughs> yeah. And he has a line in the scene, which I thought was, kind of a horrifying thing to say and you know you're when you're whispering sweet nothings to your partner mm-hmm. the one thing worse than the devil within is the devil without which i think <laughs> implies that like you're having issues with my creepiness but it'd be much worse for you if you didn't fuck me he also I says think- yeah your life would be worse on the street and yeah. he also says chaos abounds antichrist mm-hmm. fans you ah you I noticed that most of his patter, which is like an interesting affect for a villain, I think, and it would read better on the page than it works here. But almost everything he says is like a bumper sticker or a T-shirt slogan. Could be. Yeah. Like he goes, life's a bitch, then you die. Yeah. You know, the only thing worse than the devil within is the devil without. We'll be fine if we resist temptation. Like mm-hmm. all he says is little catchphrases, which is something. I, I think don't that's, know. It's a system. It actually might be intentional for the, you know. The, the titans of industry who are, you know, not really people as much as signposts of success, just yeah. regurgitating nonsense. But I wouldn't give it to this movie that they thought of that necessarily. True. There's not a but ton. But King might have. I'm saying they might have just ripped off the dialogue. Yeah. 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 That's so right. So that I want to keep pointing out the same night because this night will become infinitely long, is, which yes. is another weird thing about the pacing of this movie. The rest so that's, of the movie is one That same night. night, yeah, the rest of the movie takes place in like a Gotham City infinite night that never ends. They never sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunton goes to the hospital to see about the woman who got the most badly burned, and his friend Mark, who... So he's been a murder cop for 14 years. His friend Mark, who's an amateur demonologist, <laughs> says, can I come? And he yeah. says, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and guess what he does? He immediately implies he's he immediately hears from the woman that, well, the woman believes that there's something wrong with the machine. I maybe there's a demon in it because mm-hmm. it seems to be attacking. Ever since, since it tasted blood, Sherry's blood. It tasted yeah. Sherry's blood. And his brother who's also has been talking about demons and is a mystic is really into it. Like a real agent Mulder. Um, and of course, Hunton uh, makes fun of him for that. Ted Levine is like, I just want to get drunk. Mark, check it out. First there is God. Then there's country. Then there's law. 
the rest of it is bullshit. And then he still says, which I just think is interesting how mean he is to his only friend. The rest is bullshit. This is bullshit, Mark. This is reality. Bullshit. Bullshit. Reality. <laughs> this. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's Hell like a greasy yeah. strangler level of bullshit artistry going on. Right. Right. Yeah. So then uh, then we get a, a scene where Lynn Sue, um, who's the woman who slept with Gartley. Uh, goes near the mangler. At this point, I don't know why anyone's just hovering she around the mangler. She seems to, from the way it's shot, hurl mm-hmm. herself in the mangler intentionally yes. while the lights are off, like for no reason. It's unclear how she ends up in the Her mangler. hand just gets a little crushed. No death this time. But Gartley's like, bring her up to me. And I th- we also get the like implication for the first time in the movie that something supernatural is connecting Gartley and the machine because like the lights flicker when he arrives and it's like he already knows what's going to happen. Like he and the mangler are in it together. And then the detective, and again, I stress his brother go to question Gartley's niece. In law, niece, I think. Brother in law, in go yeah. to uh, Gartley's mansion at night again. Uh, and no one's there but the niece, which is a strange thing. We learned she's 16. And it's like an evil mansion. Uh, she's the one who bled on the mangler first. The first thing you see when they open the front door is a giant hutch filled with creepy dolls. And right. she says, uh, my uncle says they'll be mine someday. And you're like, oh, right. honey, you got to get out of here. <laughs> and the thir- uh, yeah, first thing she does is show off her doll collection. And there's also a through line where Mark has been positing that uh, it's probably virgin blood. That's what did it. That's what caused the mangler to go crazy. Oh, because he says, and this is important for later, Mm -hmm. the two ingredients for almost all demon possession spells, according to a magic book he found, are, Mm -hmm. or wrote, it's unclear, are virgin blood and belladonna, which is also called the hand of glory, which is like a spice or plant. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important for later. But she's definitely a virgin, is what we're all saying. And everyone's, it's clear to everyone. And- as they're leaving, because they kind of upset her because she's like, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to talk to you two older men right now alone at night in my mansion. In any case, Mark just throws out at the end, definitely pops the virgin question as they're leaving, which upsets her even more. Uh, and he gets chastised by uh, Ted Levine in the uh, in the car. And there's a back and forth that is fucking amazing to me, which is what are you some kind of pervert? doesn't matter if i'm some kind of pervert then drifts off i know off. i'm right yeah it's like that's not a no bro it's <laughs> that's not, not a no it's it's i i it's unclear if mark is a pervert but i'm pretty right. sure someone who isn't a pervert would definitely respond differently <laughs> that doesn't matter right now don't think about that <laughs> think if i'm a pervert with 16 year old girls i'm but mark, she's definitely your brother-in-law yeah. i mean i'm into demons and virgins apparently so, as they're driving home now remember this is the evening of the same day that the initial accident happened in the afternoon or like midday yeah so then the burnings happen he went to the hospital then they went to the mansion <laughs> now they're driving home and it's still the same night and they see an active crime scene with cops all around and sirens and it turns out that a kid named barry uh went missing all day and he got trapped inside an icebox and suffocated. And we, the audience, realize it's the haunted icebox from the factory that those dudes dropped off. Mm-hmm. And just to make it sadder, his dog sits there looking at his dead body and whimpering. Um, this and there's this amazing. amazing shot where the dead kid is in the foreground and then Hunton leans into the midground and says, rest in peace, kid. And then Mark comically leans in behind him 
like it's an intentionally comic shot and says, Barry Ellenshaw. Oh, man. And I fully expected him to go. You think he's a virgin, but he doesn't. (laughs) That shot is incredible. You think Um, there's virgin blood in him? (laughs) You think that kid was a virgin? Um, And I also want to point out earlier in the film, this 14-year detective, uh, because we forgot to mention this, at night drove by a woman by herself shining a flashlight screaming, Barry, Barry, and they didn't even slow down and ask, like, hey, ma'am, are you okay? What's the problem? He does not give a fuck. And and that led to this. Finally, for the first time in the whole film, uh, the detective notices that there's a giant bloody handprint on this icebox that he's seen multiple times. And it's on top of a label that says blue ribbon. And he's like, duh, do you think this is from that factory? Like he's piecing it together. Good. And uh, they sort of decide, okay, that's what happened. The mix of the virgin blood touching the mangler. The icebox is also haunted. He tries to open it up. There's some dead birds inside and one live bird. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Mark tries to gently free the bird from the icebox and the door tries to eat him. And for the first time, Hunton witnesses something he can't explain, right? The door seems to animate on its own. And this is amazing. Now he believes in magic instantly. And it's amazing because the first thing he does is he gets a sledgehammer from a nearby garage and he just takes that sledgehammer to the icebox as God intended. When he slams it open, Uh, A ghastly white wind comes out of the top and a bunch of people see that this is clearly a possession. Uh, And so we learn that exorcisms of appliances are basically just like beat the hell out of the thing Mm -hmm. and and they'll ill leave, I guess. Well, I guess I will talk about the system more later. But yeah, I have questions around that. Um, JJJ Pictureman is there. Cause he's like Batman. He always just shows up with a sudden flash and he's taking pictures and, he says, maybe the most needlessly stretched out line I've ever heard in a film, which is, <clears throat> nice work, Johnny. I knew you had it in you. When'd you learn to do magic tricks? That'll be the first ghost I've ever seen. You know, I thought I'd seen it all, but then life comes up and bites you on the ass. Well, see you later, Johnny. I'll be <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> it's like the family guy yeah. bit about time to hit the old dusty trail, like and just mm-hmm. trailing on. Um, and then uh, Levine yells to the other cops around about the, about a fridge that he just beat up. Get yes. that fucking thing out of my sight. Then burn it. Then bury it. Then put a fucking stake through its heart. And they're like, yes, sir. And they yes, go sir. about to do that. Yes, sir. Uh, and I think the, this yeah. is the midpoint. I don't know mm-hmm. what act two is doing in this movie. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what we're supposed to be thinking about. I mean, I guess there is a small Ted Levine journey. But it's just really midpoint is basically okay. I believe you will do an exorcism on the mangler now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Uh, And visits. We're so beautifully teased because then there's a scene where it seems like he's finally gonna go to bed because the night feels so long. (laughs) He's witnessed three crimes and done all the interviews and paperwork, presumably. And he goes, "All right, it's time for bed." And Mark says, I'm with you 100%, buddy, okay? Hey, Mark, that's a relief, man, 100%. Yeah, that's real reassuring. Then he lets Mark walk away, and then he quickly jumps in his car and drives away. So the Mm -hmm. reveal is he's just ditching Mark like he should have from the beginning and is going to go do it himself. That's right. Uh, right. So he goes to the morgue. 
Meets an yeah. ostentatiously Adams Family esque coroner who apparently was also JJJ Pictureman, which is amazing. Uh, and he's he displays the body of the old woman from the beginning who got absolutely smashed, like into, you know, just clumps of flesh. As Ted said, she was folded like a sheet and carried out in a basket. And uh, and he put her back together. Uh, and then he's like, "Hey, look at how what a good job I did," and then leaves. What a great scene. What a weird scene to have Man, in your movie. I do think there that's an so look no further than Six Feet Under where uh, they have the exact same scene where a coroner is proud of their workmanship after someone suffers a really nasty accident. And it actually is interesting and gets into the idea of, oh, yeah, death would mean a different thing. Or like he actually describes the pride he has and the joy he or like the peace he can bring to the family. This is not that this is like the clumsy version of that scene. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and they're uh, also doing this thing with he's clearly creepy as well, like maybe mm -hmm. going for a joke. So it's this muddled mass of nonsense. Anyway, Hunton sits with the bodies, you know, as you do, uh, and the photographer returns, uh, takes a photo of Hunton by the bodies, another great scene. And then he confides that he has cancer and is dying. Just absolute swishes of scenes that feel like they're taking us to the next uh, scene. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, well, yeah, I mean... So JJJ Pictureman came to the morgue and started taking pictures of dead bodies. I don't know all about police work, but I don't think right. that's something you ever need to do for any official reason. I don't nah. think that's a thing. I mean, an autopsy, but even then that would probably be done by the doctor. Attending the physician. Mor mortician. Yeah. yeah. Like, or the mortician. Yeah. Yeah. They would just. But anyway, he's anyway. got his flashbulb from the 1920s. You know, he's ready to go. And he. Uh, yeah. He wanders downstairs. Well, again, improvising dialogue that trails off way too long Very into strange. the crossfade to the next sequence. Um, and the next sequence is Hunton returning to the factory. He breaks in by climbing through a window. What is then, he doing here? Then, then guess what? Then guess what, guys? <laughs> he immediately sits on the haunted mangler with his back to the part of the mangler that crushes people. It's so like great. a fucking rube, like a yeah. stooge. <laughs> And like it, a so goddamn it, of mark. course does what manglers do and tries to gobble him up and yeah. he takes out his gun and shoots his coat that's stuck and it works. Yeah, he shoots his coat apart so that he can get out of it and not get mangled. And then the foreman arrives who's like, what the fuck just happened? And Hunton, he just punches him. That's he's just what are you doing here? You broke in. You almost died. And then you punch the foreman. And then we get the meeting, I guess we're all waiting for, which is Ted Levine and Robert Englund. Uh, he wants, so basically Hunton wants Gartley to shut the machine down or shut down his business. Gartley fires back and he says, it's a complex world out there, sporty. Uh, and uh, the laundry is so, like the lifeblood of the town, apparently. And he implies that he got, uh, he got his wealth and power from this machine, from this factory, this uh, laundry service. And Huntnet kind of exits, and for good measure, he pushes the foreman again. And I'm pretty sure this is where he would be fired from his job. Mm -hmm. Not for any one particular thing that he did, but just like an aggregate of nonsense that he's done in this single well, night. Well, like, yeah, he like broke in and threatened an elderly small business owner who's a pillar right. of the community. Yeah. Like, this is, what is going on? What does he think he's doing? What is this scene? 
is my big question. Why would he do this? Yeah, Why a would- chance for Gartley to like say his deal. It yeah. feels like more than anything. Yeah. Um. We he, we also find out through implication that it killed Gartley's daughter. The Mangler killed Gartley's daughter when she was sixteen, mm-hmm. and it's the reason his legs are prosthetic or damaged or like he's been mangled. Yeah. Yeah. He's been mangled as well. Um. Stanner, the foreman, who's always been like a loyal Smithers type is finally reaching his limit because so many people have died. So he like meekly suggests maybe we could shut it down, bots. And uh, he calls the sheriff who we know he owns essentially, uh, Gartley does, and says, deal with Stanner. So it's like the sheriff is basically his personal hitman if he wants. Mm -hmm. Um, He also pulls strings and uh, we cut to Hunton's boss. I'm amazed how fast he got this done. Hunton's boss calls him on the police radio immediately and is like, Mm -hmm. you're terminated. Your pension's revoked. I don't think you can legally do that that efficiently. But he's like, you're not a cop anymore. The end. Never come back here. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes, I don't care. I'm going to stop the mangler anyway. Right. Um, So then we Lynn Sue, we notice, is starting to get sick. She says she feels weird ever since the mangler bit her finger off. Mm And he shows her his daughter's death certificate, as well as the certificate that says he owns the Mangler, which is signed in his own blood. And we and he says, don't you understand why Rikers Valley is idyllic? So basically, the reveal is that whatever the demon is, whether it's Satan itself or whatever, it's powerful enough. It's almost it like right like or like hot fuzz. It it controls the whole town. And yes. It keeps the town really pleasant and it keeps the elites in power and it makes them wealthy and lucky and powerful but it mm. requires that they regularly feed it stuff to mangle feed it, it's blood, it their blood yeah. so they like sacrifice their daughters and apparently right. the preference is 16 year old girls on their 16th Who are birthday virgins. yeah um and she is- says now that the also also it's like a vampire so now that it's partially mangled you linsu Welcome to the club. The Mangler's in you now. Um, Again, it is never fully explained to my satisfaction what being infected by the Mangler does to you, but it basically just changes her hair and makeup and makes her evil now. (laughs) Yeah, she's a little sickly. Uh, She's a little evil now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I will, uh, you know, if if you do want to go on the journey, they did make two sequels from this, Mangler 2 and Mangler Mm -hmm. Reborn. So, you know... I'm sure it's real hashed out yeah, in those I'll get films. Yeah. Right. I'll watch those right after we wrap Right up after. Here. I'm so stoked. Watch me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Mangler starts to eat Stanner, the foreman, because he's trying to dismantle it because uh, he's like, this has gone too far. It starts to eat him. Uh, the, his technician tries to pull the fuses, but the fuses spark so violently that he can't get to it. Sherry begs Gartley, Uncle, please do something, do something. And he goes, OK, I'll dance for you. I'll dance a little jig. <laughs> and he does. He dances a little he jig while they watch jug. Stanner get yeah. in. He's got um, with his robot legs. Ultimately, the tech has to cut off Stanner's arm with an axe. But we find out mm-hmm. later it doesn't matter. He dies of blood loss. Yeah. Um, Sherry runs out screaming and drives away. Uh it becomes clear that Gartley is actually mad at Sherry in it's not again, not fully clear to me, but Gartley seems mad at Sherry for waking it up. Like maybe he had it dormant for a while or there's ways to, I think, I I think, yeah, the idea is that you take a 16 year old girl on her birthday and let the mangler eat. And then it's all done in secret. Now there's now the mangler is like real horny for blood and has been, causing an attention to come to the like uh, it got a taste at the wrong time yeah and it's, and it's just like uh, yeah. yeah exactly 
Uh, so Hunton goes back to police headquarters, this time with Mark. He's back. On, Mark's back on the case. Um, yeah, baby. And uh, he realizes that his old pal JJJ Picturman is dying. He's being carrying it out on a stretcher. And uh, he tells him with his last breaths that you have to go down to my office in the basement. I have a present for you. You got to exercise the demon. Don't let it possess <clears throat> your soul. Save the town. Save the town. And then he vomits blood onto the lens of the camera mm-hmm. and dies. Uh, Mark and Hunt go down to his basement and they find weird haunted shit happening like the stove's burner, you know, flares and up it's and always, tries to attack. Yeah, Mark. another haunted appliance. Uh, and there's what's crazy about his like office or whatever this basement is. Uh, JJJ Pitcherman knew the truth. He was doing for like decades. a for decades. He was basically had corkboard with all of the connections drawn out for him because they just walk in doing zero detective work and just start reading articles about how all these rich families in Rikers Valley clearly have a, like a contract with the, the mangler, basically the reveal of the previous scene. And it always happens because these 16 year old girls always keep dying on the 16th birthday and they're mm-hmm. all a part of rich families. So there's something going on, like some kind of harvest that's happening and they kind of piece it together together. Uh, yeah. But JJJ Pitcherman, Basically did all the work for him. And never told, like, couldn't he just told Hunton originally, this is what's happening. But anyway, um, they call Sherry because they reasoned, oh, well, he's probably going to sacrifice Sherry next. And he calls her and you'll never believe it, fellas. (laughs) Like, he turns to Mark and he goes, oh, my God, what? It's her 16th birthday today. Yeah. They look at the clock. We cut to the clock. It's 1145. Mark I, says, "Uh oh, then we're running out of time. Yeah. No shit, Mark. No fucking shit. It's 1145 God. on the day that it happens. <laughs> good, I good also love that Hunton immediately is like, you should stay in your house. You know where you live with the with man the who wants to yeah. kill you. <laughs> yeah, he tells Sherry, you'll be safe as long as you stay inside Gartley's evil doll mansion. <laughs> where he is also there and in 15 minutes will murder you. So then, knowing that they only have 15 minutes left, Mark on the way to the factory, insists that they pull over on the side of the road and rehearse the exorcism. So we get a full scene where they rehearse the exorcism, <laughs> then they get back in the car and go to the factory. <laughs> so good. Wow. Mark is like, so good. Incredible. Like, amazing. Seems intentional <laughs> as a failure of screenwriting and storytelling. Meanwhile, Gartley's- is home and he like throws a little birthday party uh with Lynn Sue uh and uh and uh and Sherry and Lynn mm-hmm. Lynn Sue's arrival is to run up to Sherry when while uh Gartley's like dancing again because he loves to dance uh with a like two by four and breaks it on her back and then they subdue her <laughs> and WWE style, yeah. yeah. Uh so th- that's all wrapped up, I guess. Then uh, Gartley the elderly mangled man who uses crutches, a throat device, and leg braces physically lifts Ted Levine, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, up and yeah. tosses him in the mangler. Like, Ted Levine gets his ass handed to him by Gartley immediately. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, they 
they all get fucked up. Except uh, Mark, who Mark, contributes nothing, stands on the no, side. Mark throws Lin Su into the machine. That's right. Yeah, yeah, eventually. But the, the yeah. timing of the fight is weird. There's yeah. a long, just because the directing is weak, or that, and that extends the editing, there's a long mm. portion of the fight where you're like, where is Mark? Why isn't he doing well, something? Yeah, that's right. But you're right. He does eventually uh, kill Lin Su, which causes Gartley to freak out. And uh, apparently he really loved Lin Su deeply, which was not with really how they were characterizing the relationship, but it, but that's what they're doing now. Yeah. Um, so he he hobbles to the end of the mangler and sees Lin Su's destroyed body and he starts to freak out. Hunton walks up and punches him into the mangler. <laughs> yeah. And Gartley gets folded up. He gets, <laughs> he folded, gets like sheets, folded like sheets, baby. Up. It's one of the greatest scenes in all of all of the history of cinema. And, uh, uh, you know, every good villain death has to have some amazing one-liner to cap it off. So mm-hmm. Gartley says, my God who art in hell, cursed be thy name, and dies. And Hunton says, very clever, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck. <laughs> but you got to do it in Buffalo Bill's voice, though. Fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually so- mainly know him as the crusty detective from Monk. Oh but, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He had a he had a little renaissance there. Yeah, yeah. he'll always be uh, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo to me. Bill, unfortunately, um, slash unfortunately. So now that they've gotten rid of like the acolytes or the human element, they just have the mangler to take care of. So of course they just start the exorcism, throwing holy water uh, and literally some stuff, feeding it Bibles, like throwing Bibles, throwing into Bibles the into it, which yeah. actually seems to stop the mangler, but it dies. Yeah, the end, but. But nope, Hunton takes out some antacids. Very important that this was, I did not expect this to be the through line. Uh, And he says, yeah, he admits to Mark they belong to Miss uh, Frawley. And Mark's like, oh, the antacids, you explain this, kind of have deadly nightshade. In them. Belladonna, yeah. And it's called the Hand of Glory, and it's and I got it's all coming from my book of demons. And since the machine was fed antacids which i guess is how that works it's now a double demon so mark is like oh this demon's way more we should have done some different kind of exorcism it's not clear but like by not knowing that there was belladonna involved they fucked up like he just says oh i think we're fucked and then the mangler explodes Explodes. <laughs> I, I but i i, I do want to point out like it's a big question of mine does that mean that all throughout time the mangler has been eating the laundry like what is what does it mean that when you feed the machine, I mean, obviously you feed it humans and it's like getting its blood and there's some transference of evil that occurs. It's just insane to me. It's that the mangler, it's like the laundry machine is eating the laundry. It's eating the antacids. What it's if a it very, ate other stuff? <laughs> what if it ate other stuff? Yeah. So the mangler is like, fuck this. I'm still alive and I'm strong. It's ambulatory. It's uh, It grows arms and legs and starts you can do stuff now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically they're using uh, puppets to make it like walk around like a beast. Very much reminded me of um, Labyrinth has this scene and Total yeah. Recall has this scene where a giant bladed machine is coming at you and you're in yeah. a hall and you're just running away, running away. There's yeah. there's a bit of like laughable and there's also a bit of like pretty cool Decent. stop yeah. motion. Yeah. But they, they hit a, they hit a dead end. It claws Mark in half with a big, claw made of bike chains essentially um which is actually like a weak not scary i don't know i thought it was weak that weak sauce that its arms was made of the chains the chains is like the least threatening part of the machine right anyway nitpicking the mangler um so mark's dead unfortunately but hunton and sherry Mm. crawl through a little hatch that they didn't see a second ago i guess (laughs) and they run downstairs that and if you're following 
like what is the layout of this building? Just give up on that. It doesn't really oh, make yeah. sense. Because they now they're in some kind of crazy, infinite Gothic spiral staircase that was apparently under the laundry facility. And it goes all the way down to like a glowing nether hell space down below that's out of sight. And uh, Sherry says, are you crazy? <laughs> Johnny says, no, I'm a policeman. Um, so he keeps trying to save her. But she insists that this will all stop if she dies. She's the one it wants. So she throws herself willingly into the mangler, um, but it just gets her hand. And he yanks her out and uh, grabs her and they jump down the stair, like they jump to the central pit and let themselves fall. And then it turns out, which they had no way of knowing, that they're okay because there's water at the bottom. And I and now it seems like they're in some kind of sewer. I don't mm-hmm. understand, but let's just go with it. Mm-hmm. The mangler shoots flames at, down at them through a grate, which mm-hmm. means, by the way, that somehow they passed through that grate to fall in the water. Do you follow right. me? Right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Grate, no, hit. The grate could not exist, and yet it has to. It makes no sense. It's not good. Um, so they they don't get hit by the flames, and the mangler realizes it can't fit it through the hole and get them, so it gives up and goes away. It gives up. Huh. It uh you see a body part that's of, the resolution that of falls. that monster. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, it just is nah, you know what? I can't get them and they escape and that's the movie basically. Yeah. There's an then epilogue. We hard cut to them. Now keep in mind, they just fell down easily 15 stories into a mm-hmm. sewer that is like grates and waterways. We hard cut to them just popping out of a manhole in the middle of the city. Yeah, it's like, works. I want to know how they did that. That's quite a journey on its the own. The geography but. is pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, later we see that he's at the hospital. The uh, doctor says Sherry's going to live, but her hand was mangled. And she, he's very cold to Hunton because in a second we realize that he... As he walks away, he waves or something. He's yeah. he's been mangled. One of his fingers is gone, and you're like, ah, there's a conspiracy, and it's immediately verified in the epilogue, which is a letter from JJJ B- Pitcherman that he wrote at some point mm-hmm. uh, to uh, John, uh, saying like, hey, don't trust anyone who's missing a body part because they're probably possessed by the mangler. Everyone in town sacrifices a small body part to the mangler if they're part of the conspiracy. So that's how you can right. note them. Um, but I love the thought that John Hunton then goes around the town just shooting people who have lost limbs. <laughs> like, fuck you. He's like, fuck you. You're, you're, you're like, with, no. You're with I the was, machine. I stepped yeah. on a mine. I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Time passes uh, and he comes back to see Sherry, how she's doing. Um, but he just finds that. The mangler's still in the factory or in the in the laundry service. And but Sherry it's now, is now uh, dressed like Gartley. Yeah, and <laughs> evil and has a cane. Uh, yep. And she has basically become Gartley. Uh, and the uh, mangler is now doing speed ironing. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, uh, he hunt and sees this and Telvin's like, oh, fuck. An end of movie. Uh, he walks well, away forever. The final shot is he gets in his car and we get the impression that he's doing what he said. Like, he's just leaving. He's like, nah, he's, fuck he's got this. nothing else. He just here. leaves town. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what he's doing. He's got no pension or anything. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. He'll still have to work wherever he goes. Yeah, he fucking he has- his life is just as bad, which is you know par for the yeah. course for horror movies. But like, uh, man, oh man, nothing really happens, and they didn't stop the mangler, and the mangler just kind of fucked off, and that's the movie. That's the mangler. I I also love the implied scene where because it never got its sixteen year old virgin, yet somehow mm-hmm. someone, presumably a member of the conspiracy or possibly Sherry convinced the sentient beast mangler to walk back to the factory first of all how did it get through the door in back into the building like what entryway yeah, did it parts go through of it it's huge have fallen off but it i guess it walked back to the factory sat down and went okay i'll be a normal mangler again for a while <laughs> right yeah all right. but i mean you assume it's demon magic so yeah. like all of its parts that like came off while it was chasing are just magically back together that's fine what uh, i'm saying who is knows? who calmed it down it never got its virgin like why is it chill again uh, they fed that thing a virgin at some point. That's that's for <laughs> I real. guess. Yeah. Uh, well, market. But yeah, nothing else. Movie movie does not explain. Movie done. Uh, movie done. Under the dome. Let's we did uh, tunnel under that dome into the next segment Ooh. where we talk about just a creative team and interesting trivia we came across. I think it's pretty short this time, but this is called Skeleton Crew. Something in the mist. Shut the doors! Shut the doors! Uh, yeah, so obviously the big names on the stinker is Robert Englund and Tobe Hooper and Ted Levine to some extent. Uh, Tobe Hooper, as we mentioned, is the Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre. He's pretty much a legend in horror. He did Poltergeist. We covered on this podcast, 1979 Salem's Lot, which was uh, also a stinker made for TV movie in the 70s. So was that also the budget Tobe? was low. That was also Toad. Wow. Yeah. And if uh, fans of the podcast recall, that is my bottom most bottom thing of we've the, covered so yeah. far. Yeah. It's um the budget was low and the images are pretty lame. Um, but in this one they had some budget. I mean, it built a big laundry machine that moves around and it like looks like a dragon, you know, like there's some element of production design here, uh, even though it's a small stakes, like in terms of or a small a number of locations movie it's not that expensive in that regard but it has a cast and it's got some production design elements but yeah it's not that good and that's the thing tobe hooper hmm not great i don't know many tobe hooper fans and i'm sorry if it's toby i feel really bad someone called us out for not being able to pronounce the names but i actually looked this up and there's disagreement at least on the sources i looked for is it toby toby tobe i i'm not sure if someone knows definitively please let me know and i'll never said to fuck it up again but yeah, yeah of the people i know who do like hooper even the big fans of hooper like particular films still are like oh yeah he's made some really bad movies i don't think anyone thinks his track record is like sterling across the board he's made some stinkers mm-hmm. i think he also did uh the hills have eyes reboot did i am i right about that i don't remember but the Tex- texas chainsaw massacre is like the reason it's good is it's like running gun it's right? not good it's like, right it's not good because it's an accomplished work of film craftsmanship it's, it's not a, that Leatherface is a cool idea and there's some haunting camera work and it's like usually handheld and has this vibe of, you know, like, we're there. I think that's when Hooper's at his best. When you put it into a studio system, 
where he had he like has to create images that are like oh these mean things one thing cuts to the next thing i think it kind of falters a little bit because mm-hmm. the design of some of these sequences as we mentioned the geography of like kind of the finale uh, some of the scenes that it's confusing what really happened until later when someone explains it. Uh, these are like pretty rookie mistakes. And this is 95, even though the movie does not look like it was made in 95. It looks like it was made closer to 85, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's not this... all. Well, yeah, I'll save it for it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. It's just, um, that's, that's surprising to me that, uh, it's it's surprising to me that he he's he worked for so long and he's still finding ways to make mistakes here. Yeah. Um, also, so I, I just for the to... record, I'm wrong. I think about Hills Have Eyes, but he did he did a couple of the Freddy Krueger movies, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's jumped in and out of many legendary horror franchises, and in between mm-hmm. he's done a bunch of horror movies you've never heard of. Um, so he yeah, he's like made a lot of movies. toolbox murders, the apartment Jim. complex, perversions of science. Crocodile. Mm. Ooh, crocodile. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. But I mean, he's worked in horror from forever. Mm -hmm. You know, Invaders from Mars. Uh, There's a few things that he directed uh, that are known in the social consciousness somewhat. And definitely definitely Poltergeist is at the top of that list, uh, I would say, in terms of his finest direction. Yes, although, Texas although there's, of course, the so original. widely held belief that Spielberg contributed heavily. It's to not really it. that true. You don't think We've so? Researched. And then I've yeah. heard other people who say, no, everyone's th- you shouldn't just give Spielberg credit for no reason. Right. I've heard yeah, both it's, sides. It's really like even the, even us mentioning the debate is probably going to give some like people feel very strongly about this. Yep. And on King or sorry, on Spielboys, uh, you know, Tom and I were talking about it. And it is pretty much agreed that the consensus is that Spielberg didn't have anything to do. with Oh, great. It. Or at least Spielberg comes out and says that's to who film stop i was i was a producer i gave him like this is what i would like in the movie and this is how Mm -hmm. i think how you should approach it but i didn't do the work of director so i mean people are going to come at me or whatever but like if you know what the duties of a director are hooper did those duties so i don't know who else you can say good poltergeist is good um the only fun fact i really well i found a couple but my favorite is that Jim Cummings, if that name doesn't scan for you, he's the original voice of Winnie the Pooh, the Winnie the Pooh voice that you're all super familiar with, as well as Darkwing Duck, uh, by the way. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot of people don't know that's the same dude. But uh, he's also the voice of the Mangler. And hey. he said, uh, <laughs> the, ultimately, the strain put on his throat by trying to make all the demon Mangler noises was not wow. worth it based on the quality of the film. And uh, he was pleased to find that in the final credits, he's credited as Tim Cummings. And so no one knows that it's him, which he's pleased by. Wow. He's That's like, great. good, dodge the bullet. <laughs> that is hilarious. I didn't see that. That's so great. Uh, the other one I got off IMDb that I'm like, why? Or like, <laughs> is there's a gate in the background of the beginning scene after Sherry initially hurts herself. Um, with that is the exact shape of a famous Auschwitz photo. It's the gate leading into Auschwitz and the banner. It has to be intentional because the banner reads the same thing translated, which is labor will set you free. It just as the gate to Auschwitz read. Yeah. So the, I'm like, what kind of meaning are you trying to, what are you even trying to say? How is this like the Holocaust? We're not in Vietnam, Walter. Mm -hmm. Not everything Mm -hmm. is Vietnam. (laughs) 
Right. Uh, another thing or another thing that I uh, that is kind of famous about this movie is that Hooper was a little a little later in the process of the production was actually fired from the movie uh, and the producer Anant Singh finished the movie himself. Mm-hmm. That is kind of speculation, I think, but there was Hooper did leave the project at a certain point and is still credited as the director of the film. But one of the main disagreements was uh, Singh, I think, wanted to do a more straightforward horror movie. Um, and I think Hooper was like, no, it needs to be tongue in cheek. That's why we got Robert Englund. That's why we got, uh, you know, Ted Levine. Mm. The, it's a possessed laundry, you know, yeah. f- machine. It's not, this is not a normal, straightforward horror movie. It's one of my, the problems I had with Christine is that it's just such a silly thing. Why would you do it straight? I think it's a little bit more believable with the car. Uh, This one is almost like you said at the beginning of the podcast, like almost like an experiment. Can I do it? Can I pull it off? Do the most. Can I do a vampire that is rooted in place and it still gets everyone somehow? Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and that itself, that disagreement about like what the film is really doing actually uh was a problem for the production so yeah sorry now i'm on down an imdb hole um about mm-hmm. anant singh who has produced over 50 films is good friends with nelson mandela and uh was an activist in the apartheid movement so he seems like a cool dude mm-hmm. and he but produced he, the mangler <laughs> he didn't think the mangler was particularly so funny this guy no um, <laughs> All right. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is that there's, as happens with every horror movie, no matter how bad, every horror movie, 30 years later, there's a small movement of people who are like, actually, it's good. It's a cult classic. Um, and uh, I just think it's notable that like in the reception segment of Wikipedia, it's like obviously bad. Everyone hated it. Right. But now recently in, in recent years, it like it's made a bunch of lists of like cult classics and it's been called the great unloved yeah. Stephen King film. And uh, it's been called by a, a notable critic, um, a contemporary of Christine and the shining, a stylistic representation of the director's obsession with the very machinery of capitalism. No, it's not. No, it's <laughs> it does not. not. We'll talk check about any that. of those boxes. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that stuff. I feel <laughs> like because uh, I don't see it, but uh, yeah, there's been a cult following, and I think it's mostly about the last sequence. If you are into like horror over the and top. yeah, over the topness, it's a classic. There's no denying it. Uh, you know, fucking Freddy Krueger's performance is amazing. Um, okay, well, let's. You have Buffalo Bill there. Can we get into <laughs> it? So just because I feel like this yeah. is the beginning of it. Okay. I feel like this is the it. So here comes Bye. it. Bill, if you'll come with me, you'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. And we're in. And it is where we get to say the things that we have emotionally or like wanted to say this whole time. And I right. just got to agree with Abe. Like, Abe, after everything we said, I had a really fun time with this movie. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. watching the movie and I thought the colors were pretty. I thought the shots were like (laughs) the fact that the laundry is all metal walkways and steam and pipes and shit. It doesn't, it makes you feel like it's good. 
but I like uh-huh. it. I think it's I think that's fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that's Hooper's contribution. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about that aspect of the film. It reminded me of Hudsucker uh, Proxy and shit that I like. I think if you're fine with like a very boring hour, you're gonna get 40 minutes of like, oh, this is kind of fun. Um, like wild, but it's a very boring and, hour. Uh, Robert Englund, true, uh, and Ted Levine. I actually think is like, there's nothing wrong with their acting. They both do fine. And Robert Englund's job is is like hard. He has to be a very yeah. over the top. We're ta- if nothing else, at least look up what Gartley is like because he's like an old timey. You know, like a Daniel Plainview, like he has a, a pocket watch and a vest and suspenders and shit. But he mm. also has huge metal leg braces. He has two crutches. He has glasses where one eye is blacked out because under it, his eye is like a creepy blue glass eye. He's awesome. Like as a monster and his stilted walk as he comes towards you is genuinely creepy. I thought he mm-hmm. compared well to uh, Ricky O, the story of Ricky, if anyone's seen that, where the, <laughs> the guy who runs the prison has a glass eye with mints inside it. Like he's a yeah. good, creepy boss monster. Yeah, uh, he's, he's like a awesome. James Bond yeah. like villain. Yeah, it's really over the top and kind of fun. Um, yeah, and I there's something about Ted Levine that is like it's he's so just a curmudgeon the entire time. Mm-hmm. And once you get over that fact that he's just like, Oh, I fucking hate it. You know, like, and all you get is you're you like, well, his wife died in a car accident. So he's sad forever now. Yeah. Yeah. Once that one note is kind of hit and you're like, all right, that's, I guess all it is. He does it exceptionally well. It's just not a film that like people change or things happen uh, other than a machine attacks some people. And then again, That's and then again, what I wanted to ask again. you is like, what is Hunton's arc? Because if it's stop the mangler, he, that just fizzles out. If it's right. fall in love with Sherry, I guess that arc completes with the negative. Like it's a tragedy or is it's it a tragedy? He wants to leave town. But and then by the end, that. he does. Is that his arc? <laughs> like it's so None of that simple. shit is earned. The only thing that is there throughout is his relationship to the town and the world. Right. So. Let's talk about King a little bit and about the tropes that he like his what King does all the time and what's in this movie and what usually King says about these things. So there's like four that I noticed and some of the obvious ones are like eating kids. You know, obviously that's a King trope. There's a mentor relationship, you know, like the protege of uh, Gartley's uh, Lin Su. Trouble at home, uh, adults are kind of assholes to kids or just this idea of like a marriage or a you know relationship that is vexed. In this one, it's the town. But the one I really want to focus on that people uh, in film crit typically do with this movie, and there's like a cult uh, following about like why this movie is good, which is that there does seem to be a distinction between rich and poor. And there does seem because King it's like cares about class for, the, for sure. And he does think it's a, it's elites a, are crushing us like he believes. And it's that. a basic yeah. harvest story. The ending implies that Sherry becomes her uncle. Power is attained with this Congress of like with evil. Uh, in, in this case, anyone who is mangled. Also, you but, just skipped uh, one trope, which is uh, oddball swears because uh, Hunt, oddball Hunt swears. calls the mangler a dog fuck several times, which is very candid. several times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here's the but the deal is that so when you ask, like, what's the role of hunting to me, the through line that was like consistent is his interaction with 
how he thinks the world is and specifically the rich poor kind of split from the jump. He is anti any like corporation or business that is doing well. He hates the town itself. Even the hillbillies that he meets at the beginning of the movie, he's like, fuck those people. So he does have this general idea of basically fuck everyone. Yeah. But he especially hates uh, people take advantage of other people, which is funny because he does it himself, which is kind of, I think, uh, his hypocrisy. But by the end of the film, we have him standing there with some ro- like with some flowers. Uh, oh my I don't God, know if dude, they're implying sorry, a romantic we thing We got to just zoom in Sherry. on that moment and point out that this this murder cop who we've only seen like vomit bile and exercise demons, right? And bust shit up with a sledgehammer. He brings a hand-picked bouquet of like droopy posies yeah. that like, I have to imagine he stopped in a field and picked these flowers and for her. Flowers like, why didn't he for... just go to Ralph's and get a bouquet? But anyway, very cute yeah, to me. You know. It's very cute. I don't know if they're implying romantic. Uh, I think so. I think he wanted are. to court her. Yeah, real weird. He but tosses them for, in the garbage. But we do have this typical like kind of Hollywood sentiment of like the curmudgeon, the you know, Alan Grant uh, is opens his mind and is now fine with kids. You know, it's this idea of this old curmudgeon being a little bit more warm to people. And of course, it's immediately taken reversed and is a tragedy, as you mentioned, because she's, you know, become a monster as well. Um, There is no statement in that because it's like other than the fact that this will just always continue. It's one of those things that I think horror movies do a lot of, which is that they sacrifice any statement about, you know, any satire, any statement about politics, any kind of larger uh, under the umbrella statement, you know, horror will always be with us. That's like ninety percent of horror yeah. movies fall into that as their final because then you can yeah. make part two and three and four. Exactly. You know, because you know you can just say the only thing that ever wins is the mangler. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's fine. Um, but I do think it does have an anti-capitalist bent, but it doesn't say anything in the end. Therefore, what's the point, right? Um, that's interesting because I do think a lot about the role of storytelling as I guess you'd imagine, but I, and I've settled on the belief that even though I am a novelty hog and I do like statements that nothing's original or truly very few things are truly original. Some things are because Mm -hmm. things progress over years, but very few story ideas or messages are truly original. Um, but, uh, when when one hits me that I haven't been exposed when that I haven't been exposed to, you know, that counts as novelty to me and it turns my brain on and I really like novelty and I like specificity. And I'm like, wow, this movie says something very cogent and specific that's rooted in our time that I haven't heard said before. Um, even if it was said thousands of years ago by someone, but, uh, I have come to terms with the fact that a purpose of storytelling is also ritual, right? It's to remind us of stories that we need to be reminded, truths that we need to hear repeatedly. Like it wouldn't do for us to just tell one story that explains that if you seek revenge, you will lose a part of yourself as well. No, we need to be reminded of that frequently. Like there should be, there Mm -hmm. should be multiple stories with the same message. I just think it becomes, I don't know, we get tired when a whole genre almost every entry is the same message. So I see what you're saying, but I also do think like 
it technically has a message. It's just the message like bad stuff is bad. Good stuff is good. You should try to oppose bad stuff. It's still something. It's the most basic like entry level message that there is that almost every film. Yeah, with. I mean, it's right. It's not a bad thing at all to say something anti-capitalist but it's not a particularly cogent argument no it's not well said at all in any uh in fact i think it's very interesting that one of the major inconsistencies with the film that really bugs me because again it speaks directly to this it's like then what are you saying about capitalism is that all the shots of the city we see are that this is like a horrible, oppressive, not good, grimy, like downtown type right. place. Right, industrial. Because we area. hate, because like, um, we're following through on John Hutton's idea that I hate this town. It crushes me. All I want to do is get out of this town. Then late in the movie, uh, uh, Gartley says, look around you. So idyllic. Why do you think this town is so magically idyllic? And I'm like, it, I don't know what. It, Rikers oh, Valley is. is like. Yeah. I'm not sure what the film is trying it's, to tell me Rikers Valley yeah. is like. And also, like, you mentioned Hot Fuzz. I love how that movie does a very specific thing where it says, it points to individuals in town and say, oh, she owns the pub. Oh, she, uh, she, you know, do, does this or that or runs this shop. They're all pillars of the community and we showed them, show them individually. The big reveal happens and we're like, oh, they're all together. Um, we aren't shown really any other wealthy people uh, from this community. It's really only Gartley. And he says there are like, there are other rich people. We glimpse the bishop and and the sheriff and the doctor, but they don't do anything. They just exist. They aren't a part of it. They aren't a part of the world really. Uh, And that, and that causes the whole concept to suffer a little bit. Cause like then we're stuck in it, like act two, act three. And we're like, wait, why is it? like that we're doing this. I mean, it's clear that it's like a harvest story and there's like a pow- like power is being passed from the mangler to these people. That makes sense. But when it comes to like, Oh, the town itself is rotten or it's been, uh, it's been coerced it's the whole by these system, rich man. It's people. The whole damn system. Any yeah. commentary of that, it's just not present because those scenes just don't exist. So, well, and of course um, the ultimate, like, just pratfall dry fart of like, I can't get over that. The resolution is the monster can't fit through a hole. So it gives that up is, and walks away. Like that what is like is one of that? those fumbles. That mean that's no statement on anything. And it drains the film of any possible statement. Cause right. that's nothing. <laughs> you, you, you avoided the answer yeah. and th- it's tough. Cause how do you kill a laundry machine? That is like enormous. It's a problem. And it's once again, a problem that was set up, I think by the arrogance of Stephen King going, I can write this. Story. Well, and, and that's, I mean, it's no did. fault of his that they turn everything he touches into a movie. He didn't make them do that, you know, but yeah, it's yeah. a short story. It's yeah. like, what if this thing, Oh, that's cool. Read the mm. story. Moving on. Uh, yeah, it's not his job. Um, but yeah, they went ahead uh, and did it. They fucking they, did they, it. <laughs> they fucking did it. Uh, there's one other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing I noticed this time is that we, I wanted to point out that it's, I want to chart it like every now and then in these episodes because the big question I do always have with King is like, what's his stance on Christianity? Oh, that was my last note is, um, okay, cool question. Is Stephen King super Christian? And I looked into it a bit. No, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, We talked about it. And I, maybe I forgot and I'm just refreshing myself, but he was raised in a Christian household. 
Um, but of course, you know, his stance, or at least with his PR team or in interviews, he says he lost his belief in organized religion around about high school age, and he's no longer actively engaged with any religion, but he does believe in a God that is an amorphous, you know, I think a lot of people land on this. He believes there's some creator of the universe, but he doesn't believe that it's true to any specific doctrinized religion. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I think he must be attaching to Christianity because it's so American core to America mm -hmm. and because it's such a, an iconic set of symbols that are easily understood and manipulated. Right. I mean, I think it just is appealing. Of course. To him, yeah. I mean, to him, uh, he horror of the Americana is like his bag and it's, it, it's a traditional element. And he always wants to talk about traditional elements like the frontier or, you know, just like things that you can think of whenever you think of the yeah. American. Like so I think he's treating Christianity the same way he treats capitalism. It's a part of America, uh, you know, of American life. But he does say in this movie, basically that it is a purifying aspect. It is ultimately unsuccessful way to fight the darkness because of circumstances that are, you know, very specific to the anti-acid thing. But uh, ultimately, it, it it is working and it is something that would beat the Mangler. I think we're supposed to believe. If they did it correctly, um, it would have worked. If they yeah. did it correctly or they had all the information. Um, and that's always an interesting aspect. We, we got that in a little bit in the Green Mile as well. Uh, I think it's like it's something that Stephen King clearly when he was writing earlier... I think he had a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder, kind of like the rich versus poor mentality that is pervasive through all of his work, or at least the two Americas aspect mm -hmm. of it. Uh, Christianity started off harder, and then he kind of like took his foot off the gas a little bit as as, as time went on. It seems uh, yeah. that's uh, it, that's my theory that's forming. Well, yeah, good talk. That's all I got. Good talk. That's all I got. All right. Yeah. Let's Wanna move this up? into our final segment. Yeah. Yeah. It's the this stand. It's time to make your stand. This, of course, is the ever lengthening segment where we rank in numerical <laughs> order every single thing that we've covered on the show so far. This is uh, our 19th episode. Um. And we usually decide like which ends to start from for more tension. I'm going to nominate right. starting from the bottom because I think it'll be more tension to see like how far can you go up the list before the mangler drops? Because I think people are assuming oh, yeah. it'll be on the <laughs> bottom, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, uh, let's switch off. So my number 19, the worst uh -huh. thing we've covered so far, still... Uh -huh. Salem's Lot, nineteen. Salem's Lot still got the. Yeah. I put Maximum Overdrive. Ah, number eighteen for me, Maximum Overdrive. Number eighteen, The Mangler. <laughs> barely, barely clearing the limbo bar. So that means the bottom. <laughs> that well, my bottom and your second to bottom are Toad Hooper. That's that's shitty. Yeah, yeah it was uh, not good. Yeah, seventeen <laughs> for me, Green Mile. Very controversial placement. Uh, yep. Yeah. 17 Dreamcatcher. Now, if you're noting, that means I think the Mangler is better than the Green Mile, and that's true. Mm -hmm. Number 16 for me is Dreamcatcher. Uh, Salem's Lot. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's like a chunk. Number yep. 15 for me, Children of the Corn, still not Mangler. <laughs> wow. I like Children of the Corn much better than you, but um, yeah. 
Thinner is my 15. Thinner does suck. Um, number 14 for me, Desperation. 14, The Dark Tower. <laughs> that was bad, too. Uh, lucky number 13, The Mangler. I thought it was slightly better than Desperation. That's where it notched it. Wow. And by... That, I. Wow. Because Desperation... Way high. Desperation's also rife with bad directing and cinematography. It is. And but it's, it's boring. <laughs> like... To me, yeah. the ending of the Mangler is like, how do you, like, we talked about it. Like, how do you <laughs> just like, that back. and like, imagine if, imagine if at the end of the Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. you know, they don't fight the raptors. <laughs> the, the raptors, raptors just wandered leave off. the kitchen. Goes like, I give up. Um, and Lex and Tim are like, this is fine. That's Let's true. go home. And even though it makes more sense and ties together better, I will just point out that Desperation's ending is... A guy kills a demon by heroically exploding himself and staying behind so everyone else can live. Like that's as that's as pat and basic an that's ending fine. as you can get. It's that's fine. Yeah. 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 Number twelve. Right. Or what's your thirteen first? I don't think we got that. The Dead Zone. I didn't like that film. Uh, pretty boring. It's very boring. Yeah. It's very boring. Um, for similar reasons, it was a lot more boring than I recalled. My number twelve is the It TV series that everyone loves. And so I much. also have the It TV series as number okay. twelve. Yeah. Number eleven, Dead Zone. Children of the Corn. Ten, Thinner. Christine. That might need to drop down. Thinner is bad. Nine, Running mm-hmm. Man. Now we're getting towards movies. I'm like, that's actually Nine. good. Desperation. Yeah, I you you put stink on Running Man's name and I I hate it. <laughs> Running Man is solid. You put film. it up high. Yeah. 8 uh, 8 uh, for me is Christine, The Haunted Car. 8 is The Green Mile for me. Mm-hmm. 7 Number 7. Apt, apt pupil. pupil. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be Sex seven, Assault right? movie. Uh <laughs> number 6 Dark Tower. I feel like that's too high. 6 too. The Running Man. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you more than me. Uh-huh. Number five, uh-huh. The Mist. And the act, Mist. Yeah, good movie. I mean, five top five were like... These movies are great now, yeah. These movies are the great Number movies. four, Misery. I put Dr. Sleep under Misery. Number three, Stand By Me. Good. I put Misery under Stand By Me. Number two, Dr. Sleep. I fucking love Dr. Sleep. You love Dr. Sleep, and I think it's very good. I just think Stand By Me... Uh, is my number two, and Misery is also amazing. Number one, as we touch our penis. I mean, The yeah, Shining. The Shining. Yeah. I course. mean, it's still, it's according to what we have covered, which is just 19 movies of the, I don't know, 7 million yeah, that have, you know, for all we know, uh, it's still the top. We're going to see. There's a few movies. It's my top two, because Dr. Sleep is a Shining sequel. So, like, I'm all in on the yeah. Shining verse. Dr. Sleep, I may need to. I don't know. We need to. I need to reassess some stuff because I do think that I I put I think I put the thinner a little bit low, and I think I put uh, I put Doctor Sleep a little low. But I will stand by the rest of my list. Yeah, I think I put thinner high, and I think I put Dark Tower high. That was really bad. All right. Well. Yeah. It is what it is. That's the episode. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that's the nice. episode. It's Thank you uh, good to for be back joining in the us. Saddle. Yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, I thought this so, was a super fun way to kick off season two. 
Hell yeah. And we'll be back next month with another Kings of King. That's right. Uh, um, if you can't get enough of us and our shenanigans, we sure wish you'd head over to patreon.com slash small beans and throw us a couple bucks. If you do, you'll be entitled to a bunch of bonus behind the paywall podcasts like Spielboys, the aforementioned Spielboys, uh, deep dive into everything Spielberg, Star Trek, the next Futurama, which is also what it sounds like. Bonus mm-hmm. episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. All kinds of cool stuff. And uh, you get to hang our new with show. us uh, Monday evenings to, to oh, watch yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. Abe, you say. Yeah. Our new show, uh, Escape from the Multicurse, which involves us two and Adam Ganser, who you know well. Um, we talk about our uh, current obsession with the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a few uh, episodes that we did publicly, but now it's behind the paywall as well. So there's a lot to listen to on this side of the fence. It's beautiful. Yeah. For like three bucks a month. It's like nothing. Yeah. I mean, fucking come but up. it's something to us. All right. Thanks y'all. We're out. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating. So make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans if you enjoyed this content module please like rate subscribe or tell a friend about us we love you